I am so excited about this conversation today with Josh and Heather Avis, aka the lucky few. Um, these guys have been friends for a while and truly have, I can honestly say they have changed my life by how they do family, um, how they create a space for uh, people to be exactly who they are. Yeah, they're, they're big deals. They went on a journey of infertility. They ended up adopting three kids, two that have special needs, and they have just openly shared their journey and the struggles that go with it. So I think you're going to really take away some good stuff today. Enjoy this conversation with Josh and Heather Avis. Hey friends, I'm Chris Bennett. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Julie. Hey everyone. Together, we're gonna explore the life-changing power of family. So pull up a chair, grab a cup of coffee, and join us on Finding Family. Thank you guys so much. Can't think of anybody better to, to join us than you guys. Yes. Hey so friends. excited. Thank you. Thanks for having yeah. us. Thank you guys. It's good to yeah, see absolutely. you. Yeah, you too. So maybe you could jump in first and tell us a little bit about your family and your kiddos and who are the lucky few? We are the Avises. Uh, Josh and I have been together a very long time. I think we've been married 19 years. And... We have three kiddos. Our oldest is Mason, a girl named Mason. We call her Macy. She's 13. Our middle daughter, Truly, is 10. And our son, August, is 7. Uh, Mason and August both have Down syndrome. And Truly is a different ethnicity than the rest of the family. Josh and I are Caucasian. Macy's Armenian, but presents as white in, in terms of her race. And August is Caucasian. And Truly is Guatemalan and African-American. Um, all of our kids came to us through adoption. So we are a um, multi, we are a transracial multi-ability family. Wow. Beautiful. And it sounds like a lot, but I think at the end of the day, we're just a family, right? We just do family things like families do. Um, we live in Southern California and we run a company called The Lucky Few. The Lucky Few is a social awareness brand with an emphasis on shifting the Down syndrome narrative. Um the idea is few of us have a loved one with Down syndrome and those of us who do are very lucky. And that's been our experience with our daughter, Macy. And we know that that is a message that is countercultural in, in our world, really in the whole global space in terms of Down syndrome. There's this idea attached to it that it's negative and it's bad, um, that it's a deficit. And we have found it to be quite the opposite. Down syndrome is an asset in our lives um, for our children with Down syndrome, for everyone who knows them. So mm -hmm. we're on a mission to create spaces where everybody belongs. Amazing. Yes, Macy has definitely changed my life after one encounter with that girl. So, yeah. Yeah, I think having gotten to know you guys over the last couple of years, uh, we've just we've learned from watching your lives. And I think, you know, you guys carry such a powerful message. And, you know, as we um, the purpose of this podcast is really we live in such an isolated, disconnected time as a country. It's not that we, this is a new thing, um, but I remember hearing recently a sociologist saying that the world, our country is as divided as it's been since the Civil War and that there really is a, a pandemic. Um, we know about the pandemic, but there's a pandemic of loneliness and as connected as people 
feel like they are through means of social media. There are some ways that you can connect with people, but a lot of them are superficial. And that even psychologists are now saying that a lot of people are being treated for depression, but the actual issue is loneliness. And we really want to, to help do what you guys are doing, which is bring people together, have conversations about how do we help build belonging in an era of isolation. And so I think, you know, you guys do that in, in some really um, powerful, unique ways through your story. But I guess if I had to put it back to you guys, uh, what do you feel like are some of the greatest challenges when, when you guys talk about whether it's maybe talk about celebrating diversity and our unique differences? Why is that such an important message? So one thing I think we really believe in here is that proximity is huge. So proximity to those around us that are different is a really big mm -hmm. way to start a relationship. And once you're in a relationship with someone who's different than you, our kids are, they do life a little bit differently. And so when you are in proximity to them and you build a relationship, then that relationship builds on something. There's a foundation of how can I learn? How can I um, see life through someone else a little bit differently. And that is always a positive thing. So I think with our kids with down syndrome, uh, oftentimes the, they don't, they're not looked at as, uh, as an asset versus, um, maybe something that is a burden to the system, to a school, to a church, to a neighborhood versus, oh, wow, these kids are, they're human. They're like us, but also they do life a little differently. And so I think that's where there's a huge, mm -hmm. um, benefit. Yeah, I, I'll say on that too, even having a daughter who is black and Guatemalan and really presents to the world as, as a black person, as a black girl, um, and stepping into relationships with people of color. Um, and I think, I think as humans, maybe just like as a human species, or maybe just as like mammals, I don't know. We are <laughs> prone to want to be in places that we feel safe and comfortable mm -hmm. and we feel safe and comfortable in what we know yeah. and we right. know who we are. Right. And we know who our family is. And so to step outside of those spaces into spaces that are unfamiliar, um, it's, it can be a risk, but a risk with great reward. And that's that mm -hmm. idea of proximity. As soon as we talk about like putting your feet under the table. And so even in the conversation around race, which has been so prevalent, mm -hmm. should have, has been for since the foundation of our nation, but especially in the last couple of years, mm -hmm. if you if you have not had your feet under the table with someone who's a different race than you and therefore has a different experience than you, then there's not that um, need to have to take action mm -hmm. or to have to really <laughs> care to be transformed by that relationship, you know? And so when you talk about proximity, um, truly comes into our life and we're like, wait a second, this little girl can't grow up around a bunch of white people, right? Josh and I are white, our parents are white, our siblings are white. So when she's with family, like she's the only black person. So we have to be really mindful of that for her because it's who she is, right? We're embracing that. We're not trying to whitewash her. <laughs> she's a, we want to embrace who she is and we want her to feel excited about who she is and understand who she is as a person of color in, in this world. And so that really opened up opportunities where we stepped towards that idea of proximity to people who are like truly for her sake. Mm -hmm. um, but really it was for our sake, right? And so mm -hmm. when we're having these conversations that are coming up in our nation around race, we can 
have a different understanding about that that is so uncomfortable, mm. right? Like I am so uncomfortable in my whiteness in these conversations, but it's my friend, you know, my friend John, who's shared his life with me. It's not like some person in the news or mm. some book I've read. Mm. It's a person who has had their yeah. feet under my table and it changes everything, you know, it changes mm. everything. And same with, with people with disabilities, right? It's just, it's a story or it's, it's this idea until you're in relationship with those people, with people who are different than you. And then it changes your life forever for the better. So how can people really work to be in um, closer proximity, if you will, in regards to becoming more diverse and understanding belonging? Um, what does that look like even in your lives with Macy truly? It's, you have to be very intentional and it's very mm. hard work. Mm. And I think that a lot of people, maybe everybody can agree that the things that are most, the thing, things with the greatest reward are the hardest. We have to work the hardest mm. for. So if you are in a place that is more homogenous and everyone's like you, then ten, there's a lot of intentionality that has to take place. And it is hard work mm. um, to find yourself in proximity to people who are different than you. And, yeah. and I think you have to really start with like a heart check. Yeah. Like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Um, because you also don't want to make like tokenize people who are different, yeah. right? Yeah. It needs to be genuine. Sure. So I think you start with what you have and, and it, and it does start with what do you have access to? So that is social media, right? Like who are you following yeah. on social media? And mm. it, are they people who look differently than you act differently than you vote differently than you, you know, like, are you listening to those so voices? Good, Heather. That's a piece, right? That's a step. The books you read, are you reading books who are written by people who are different yeah. than you? So those um, even shows you watch movies, you watch all those things. That's not that like proximity relationship piece because that might require, and people do that, it might require moving to a different city. That's a big thing to do, right? And that's not what everyone's going to do. Um, but, or it might require switching churches, or it might require being intentional and mm -hmm. going to a different school. So there's these huge steps you can take. Because if you live in like Podunk somewhere, I don't know if that's an offensive phrase in 2021, <laughs> um, <laughs> then chances are you don't have access to a lot of people who are different than you, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so, mm -hmm. yeah. The question is really, um, or how to, my answer for that question is there's not one like blanket way to do it, right? It yeah. depends on where you are in the world. Yeah. Um, right. But you do have access to all kinds of people through through the internet for better or worse. <laughs> I, I, I think I you said it great though. With, sorry, babe, like the action part of it, like we can know we need to take action for something, but without the sincerity, like without the, like this risk is going to have reward, but like, ah, oh, well, it's too hard. It's like, my heart has to be captured for why that reward's going to be worth it. And I think that's powerful. And how you guys said that, it's good. Yeah. I think my, on the other side of what you're saying though, what I would love to, to hear you guys, you know, share is it's one thing because you guys are intentional and you're, you're coming to say, Hey, we want to bring who we are because we believe in who we are and believe what we carry what our kids carry is needed for the world. Um, but I also know on the other side of that, maybe people don't know how to receive that, right? Um, I think when we live, you know, the, the times we're living in that are very polarized is we judge people on things we don't understand, you know, so, you know, creating the table, the space to understand all those things like you're, you're talking about intentionality through proximity. Um, but 
I wonder, have you guys experienced, what does that feel like on the other side where people didn't know how to receive what you were bringing? Because I, I think most people would say, yeah, I want to I be helpful in bringing people together. But I, I know that we also, again, live in a very, there's a lot of judgment and there's a lot of misunderstanding. So how would you say that y'all have experienced maybe, does that make sense on the other side of that, feeling received or not received and what you're bringing? Yeah, I know I'm talking a lot, but that's what's happening. Um, I... <laughs> I have found in our experience that people like a real human person is almost always receiving of who we are, how we, how we mm. arrive in their space. It is the systems that we all mm. function within that don't. Okay. Yeah. Um, explain that please. Yeah. That's like a real, um, that's a real challenge. So an example would be that feels the most accessible is like the school system, right? So when when we as a family or when let's use Macy, for example, when Mason approaches another person at her school or a teacher or as a person, they're like, yes, Mason, be here. You know, like we want to have you in our life. We want a relationship with you. We want to know you and love you. But when Mason steps into a school system, that's mm. not a broken system. It's a system not built for kids like her, mm. for people like her. Um, mm what needs to happen is like a complete demolishing of that system to be re rebuilt. And that's not going to happen. Right. And so then she steps into a place where she feels unwelcome because she mm -hmm. is a square peg into a round hole. Right. Yeah. Wow. And so mm -hmm. in those kinds of scenarios, um, it, it is so heavy and such a burden to hold that as her parents, as her family, mm. um, and our son, August, it's the same thing. And it's like bringing to people's attention, Hey, you per individual person, whether it's a teacher, a friend, a parent, a community member, whatever, I know you love Mason, but we're going to have to work together really hard to make this system, which works great for you. So I know there's less motivation there but it's not working for her. It's not working for mm -hmm. us. And I need you to join this effort, right? Like everyone's going to have to join this effort um, to make places where Macy can belong, where she feels belonging. And, and it's so complicated, you guys. It's so complicated because if people have not had proximity to a Mason, um, then they don't have the relationship. And so then there's not motivation there. There's no reason to yeah. care. So you can hear mm -hmm. it over and over and over and over. Mm -hmm but they need that relationship. Do you feel like that's why the systems won't allow themselves? It's kind of like you have to be knocked down to be built back up. Is it like they're not willing to be knocked down so that something could be rebuilt so that Macy can have what she deserves? I mean, is that, and, and why do you feel like there's such a, excuse me, such a resistance for that if it's helpful and beneficial for humanity, not just Macy? I think because, um, you can't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so you've got these foundations that have been placed that most people can function really well in. Mm -hmm. And a yeah. lot of people don't know or recognize um, that it's not working for everybody. And then I've... you have to work hard. Like we're asking people to do a really hard thing. I don't yeah. think people like to do hard things. Yeah. 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 Especially when there's a lot of hard in the world, I would think it's, yeah, people, they, they don't have the big picture of the reward like you've spoken of. So like, I don't know that I don't know if that risk is worth it when you're like, of course, it's worth it. Um, 
which then plays into how I think the world does family in a broad sense. So go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I was just going to say we live in a very individualistic society mm -hmm. and, and it's usually how is this going to affect me? And right. so that's mm -hmm. tricky. That's, yep. that's a tricky space to be in. But when we do see a collective whole start to turn, whether it's a hip hop dance studio or mm -hmm. a fifth grade classroom or somewhere at our church, these are all places where there was a collective switch and the thought, let's what would it look like to shift the way we see things? And then we see those on the other end change for the better and accept Macy and accept other kids and accept difference. And so we've seen it. Um, the, the hard thing is we work really hard to put her in those spaces. Yeah. And the when it's on those who are different to, to try to yeah. muster up and change mm -hmm. something, it's really hard. It's really hard to put it on those who, why, why are we the ones who have to change the system? That's what makes it yeah. really tricky. And, and, yeah. and we benefit from those relationships with teachers and youth pastors and dance instructors. Mm -hmm. Man, it's hard getting there. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I realize even through the lockdown and all of that is, I know that was so difficult for a lot of people because, you know, especially if you don't have family, you don't have people around you, the isolation, everything got amplified. You know, if anything, COVID brought everything to the surface, accentuated everything that was already there, the good and, and the bad. And so I think there's some really positive things that can come through this because I think issues systemic things that need to be brought up are being brought up. And then the question is, well, what do you do with it? You know, um, I, I think how do we create places for the conversations? Because Heather, as I hear you talk and I hear Josh, I think what you guys do really well that you, I know you're aware of this, but it's like the courageous conversations. A lot of people are just like, forget it. It's too hard. You know, either so then people get bitter and angry and just siphon off and, you know, block off the world and, and live in their little world. Um, and then they miss out on the beauty of diversity and all those things. So I think part of this is being willing to have conversations, even to be willing to ask questions where you don't understand, you know, creating space to say, hey, this is really uncomfortable for me to ask or hard for me because I, I don't have an experience like that or I don't know anyone that has an experience like you have. And I think that's some of the proximity is if we can find spaces in our home um, or whatever we have to, to pull people together. Um, I heard a message recently that talked about you know the word hospitality and it's just been ringing through my brain because I, I felt so convicted because the word hospitality literally means the love of the stranger. And oftentimes my understanding of hospitality has been like, let's have people together that we like to be around, that think like us, act like us, you know, look like us. And then snacks. we'll, yeah, somebody with a cool house with great food. And we call that hospitality, but actual hospitality, even and we see in the life of Jesus was the bringing together people that are so different backgrounds, decisions, look, act, think, but pulling them together around, literally he did it around a table um, to bring, I think, love. Um, to bring understanding. And I realized, you know, we've lived in this house, we've lived in about two and a half years. And I know a couple of my neighbors, but I also know there's a widow across the street that I've checked on maybe twice, you know, and I just felt, okay, wh what are we doing, you know? And so I met with one of my neighbors a couple weeks ago, and I said, let's do a block party. Let's like invite everybody. Let's do everybody bring a dish. Let's shut the street down and bring everybody together. Because 
if I can't start with my neighbors, well, then what am I going to do? Well, start in my home. And then if I can't go from there and reach out to my neighbors. Um, so anyway, I just feel like that's a really key part is like, we do have to be intentional because we are very comfortable in our own speak for us in our, in our own world. I would love to hear a little bit about your book, unless there's something you guys are burning to say. Just Josh mentioned maybe some really great points you made in that, or you guys say whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I wrote my first children's book. I have two other books that are not children's books, but I wrote my first children's book this year. Well, I wrote it last year. The book process is hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. And you're like, really two years from now, but Mm -hmm. really that's how it works. (laughs) Um, and it's called different a great thing to be and it's inspired by macy and over the years since we brought her home um we're in a lot of place in a lot of spaces with people who have kids with down syndrome and, and with people with down syndrome and disability in general and there's this push even like culturally of like more like than different like let's find what we have in common and that is really important that is an important piece for a relationship right what do we have in common but i but since I can remember, there's been this atta- this idea attached to different that like leans negative. You know, like I feel different. That's a that's a uncomfortable feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be different. I don't want to go to school and feel different. This kid looks different. This kid's lunch is different. Mm-hmm. Like then it's never like a this kid's different. You know, like a tone mm-hmm. of celebration. Yeah. And thinking about this good good um, creative God who made every human in his image and no two humans are the same. Um, that God is a God who celebrates diversity and difference, Mm -hmm. right? God is the creator of diversity and difference. And so how do we switch that narrative around different? And how do we tell our kids like you are different and this kid in your class is different. And that is so good. It is so good. And let's notice the differences and celebrate those and embrace them instead of try to, to, fit like try to change it so that you fit to be more like everybody else no be who you are because who you are is an incredible image bearer of god all the different things about you um so the book is just about a little girl named macy who is our guide in teaching (laughs) everyone around her that different is a great thing to be and she experiences rejection because of her differences but she keeps on pressing on Um, yeah and it's been well received and um writing a book is is a trip because it's like your heart on paper, you know, and you're like, this is, here's my whole heart on paper. And then you put it in the world to be accepted or rejected. <laughs> Amazing. Yep. Well, we have like yeah, a minute or two left. Is there anything you just want to leave us with that <laughs> the world needs to know that you, you guys drop the mic real quick. Yeah, can you drop the mic? Off. Drop us your best one liner. No. Oh, just as you know, what would you encourage anybody maybe that's listening of how can I help create belonging in a very intentional way, right where I am. One thing that um, touches on a lot of what we've talked about that even in the idea of like, how do you get into proximity and relationship with people? I think a big starting off point is awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's opportunity right now for everybody to really take a minute to like see who, who is in your life and who's not and have that awareness. And mm. when you're out in the world, like being aware of who's around you, um, who are the people that you have been missing because you haven't taken the time to slow down and be aware of, of those people. So yeah. taking a minute to be aware. And then I just feel like um, 
I think that a lot of us, even like I'm talking about celebrating differences, I think that a lot of us are in the same boat of we just want to know we belong mm-hmm. in our deepest yes. core. Yeah. That is so true for Macy and August. Like at the end of the day, and truly all my kids, but my kids with Down syndrome, they want to know that they belong in a space. That's what they want to know. Mm-hmm. And me, at, I'm going to be 40 this year. I want to know that I belong in a space, same. right? Yeah. So there's that shared that shared humanity that we have. Mm-hmm. And so at, in your awareness, as you're like taking time to be aware of who's missing in your life, um, knowing that even when you're having opportunity to be around people who are different than you or you're seeking out those relationships at their core and at your core is a sense of wanting to belong and, and to be known. I love it. I think to find some um, some solitude, like solidarity there, and hopefully some that can bring a little bit of peace even, you know, yeah. that you're not alone in that endeavor. So well, good. I love it. And, you Thank know, you guys. as wow. I'm hearing you and, you know, wrapping this up, I, I think about that phrase, you know, be the change you want to be and see in the world. And I think that's what you guys are doing. You guys are helping to bring change and transformation. You're using your voice um, through writing, through storytelling, through your podcast. And I uh, just want to say thank you guys for who you are and for what you're doing. We could talk for hours yeah. <laughs> um, with you guys. There's so many nuggets there. Um, to everybody listening, go follow The Lucky Few on Instagram. Go buy their books, uh, The Lucky Few, and then scoot over and make some room in the new children's book. Different. And I uh, keep up with these guys because they have something that we all need. Yes. And, uh, My favorite t-shirt is the Narrative Shifter. I wear it all the time and everyone asks me about it. And so they go, go to the Gap it. and get the new different, <laughs> right? Come That's on. That's right. You guys right. are amazing. Well, well, we'll do this again. Hopefully, maybe we can do a, a part two. But uh, we love you guys. Love and uh, thanks so much for joining us. Love you guys. Cheering you on. Love you guys. We're not done yet. Get that coffee refill because it's time to unpack. Well, that was a really fun conversation. I feel like every time we talk to Josh and Heather, these gold nuggets we walk away with, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. we met them two years ago. We were working on a project with them and we'd heard about them through friends. We'd follow them through social media. Um, but I, what I love about them is they're the real deal. You know, they have a lot of following through Instagram and the things they do and the books they've written. But when you sit down with them and you see, oh, this is real life, how they do it. And they're actually fighting for what they believe in. They're not just writing about it, right? And I remember um, the first time you met Mason, something inside you, Jules, just like yeah. came alive. Did come alive. I uh, Being um, with Mason reminds me and reminded me of the gift of my, maybe the gift of my humanity. Like how, Mason, I think she said this, but it's one of their kids, they have two kids with Down syndrome. Yeah. Um, it's their, their oldest child, yeah. Macy, Mason, they call her Macy. And I alluded to this or spoke about this on the podcast, um, but getting to interact with them, which is was part of what that project was. Our family was on right. this adventure and we were coming as learners and engaging with their family for a couple of days. And um, I remember Josh saying actually in our interview during that project, it's not the issue is not that they have Down syndrome. It's how the world views their Down syndrome and getting to encounter and spend time with Macy um reminded me of the gift of how God created them and how I, I I don't know, going through cancer, especially specifically at the time and needing some joy infusion, if you will. Um, I mean, I said it on the podcast. I I just was reminded me of the gift of life and 
it doesn't matter what's in front of you. It doesn't matter what obstacle is in your way or challenges that may be. Yeah. There's always a choice to yeah. live authentically. And yeah, I think. Yeah. No, I love that. And I, and I love kind of the backstory because just like with your cancer, we found ourselves in a story that we weren't necessarily looking for, you know, for them because they struggled for years with infertility and they wanted to have kids, then realizing there was going to be another route they needed to go to have the family they wanted. And then they ended up with a family that was different probably than how they envisioned it, right? So not only going through adoption, but then ended up adopting two kids and then um, one child that's a different ethnicity and realizing, oh, this family looks totally different. And now the message they carry is the result of the family that they they chose in a lot of ways. And I, and I think that's really cool because they keep pulling people into their story. And so people like us that couldn't relate on that level, I mean, you sit down with somebody with cancer and you're going to be able to talk a language I can't. We can't relate in terms of adoption or kids that have you know disability like that. But when we hear from them and we learn from them, which really is their message, which it's not about whether you have you know Down syndrome or not, or whether you're a different ethnicity, it's like, how do you come into, like they said, closer proximity to people that think and act and look different than you? Because all of a sudden the judgments maybe we had, those walls kind of come down because I think at our core, I think we do want to know people different than us. I think we do want to learn from people different than us. And I think about like moving here from Oklahoma and we love Oklahoma. We lived in the South pretty much our whole life, Texas and Oklahoma. And it is pretty homogenous for the most part. Moving to a city like LA, I mean, you remember overnight, our kids are like exposed to (laughs) a, I mean, totally different culture. Absolutely. The way people look, talk, think, act, all of it. It's been, it's been really good for our kids. Yeah, it's been the best thing, honestly, that's happened to our family in a long time, I'd mm-hmm. say. And lots of conversations, Lots of right? conversations, lots of growth, lots of learning, lots of um, deconstructing certain ways of how we've thought or viewed things, not to swing to the other side, sure. per se, of just a understanding, maybe. thought or theology or notion of something, but yeah, just understanding. And I love how Heather mentioned it in the podcast. You know, if we're not willing to follow people that think differently, read books that are different than us, Mm. I I think, well, yeah, I think we lived in a bubble for a time. And I'm not saying that's all wrong. I'm not even here to criticize that, except to say that sometimes we don't realize, as she also said, we've always said, you don't know what you don't know, you know, and we didn't realize how much we judged until we were outside of something and it opened your eyes and I didn't realize how many books that I was just reading that was what I thought I agreed with. Yep. And I, I, you stall out. Totally. It's not because you even have to change your mind on something. Totally, it's about exactly. growing and understanding. And I believe that's what Heather and Josh yep. do in their family. It's how they live. It's not about two children with down syndrome. It is yes. Changing the narrative on how yeah. we view it, but that narrative was shifted even a little bit more. Like if I came in like, well, I used to work with children with disabilities and I've experienced this and that, but man, when I go and spend and engage and, you know, um, just daily life with, with Mason, I'm left going, how I view you is totally Totally. different. I'm not, well, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. Because you're different. No, no, no. It's you just changed my life because of how you live, because the beauty of how you were created. And I needed that more than anything. I, I don't know if I brought anything to the table except, wow, thank you for teaching me. She reminded me some of the things I think that were asleep in me, just to be really honest. Um, I feel like yeah. there's sometimes, I'll speak for myself, 
Isn't that funny when we say things like that? <laughs> Julie, I'm going to speak myself. for you the rest of the time. Oh, um, uh, thank you. I'm going to speak for our country. That. I'm going to speak for the city of Los Angeles. <laughs> no, just can you please? I that wonder if sometimes <laughs> I'm I've been afraid to expose myself to different ways of thinking, maybe out of fear of am I going to compromise something in me or am I going to have to change what I believe? But I think I heard somebody say recently, I was on our podcast, but it was talking about people are fighting and arguing over preferences, or maybe that was in a message. And, and that's the problem right now. It's not even convictions on some things, it's preferences. But I think when we've had conversations with people in the last three years that maybe see a particular, you know, situation or um, ideal in a very different way. We've walked away and said, oh, that's something to really think through. It doesn't mean we're changing how we see it, but we can see a different perspective. And then it's like, yeah, I'm probably not going to judge people that think differently than me, right? Because they're coming from that perspective for a reason. And it's because of their experiences, right? Mm -hmm. Josh and Heather have a very different experience. Therefore, they're going to see things, you know, in a different way. Yeah, not to ruffle any feathers here, but um, to Uh ruffle some feathers. No, I mean, come on, guys. Let's let's think about the whole debate on the vaccine. And no, I'm not here to debate it, but I'm saying I have uh, a circle of some of my best friends here. And you've got 50% of them that could, Hmm. with passion and heart, tell me why the vaccine is the greatest thing that's ever to come out, why we should all have it. And they're passionate about it and they believe it. And I've got the other side that would have done all the research and would tell you the complete opposite. What's my point? I can sit with both of them and I learn every time. Um, As I've been on my own journey with that and I can listen and go, this isn't about me agreeing with that person in the moment. It's literally about learning. And that, that may seem really silly, but it's because sometimes we are only listening and studying. I'm not just talking about the vaccine. Sure. Now I'm bringing it more broad in life yeah. to what we want to reinforce. I want to believe this. This is what I think I believe. So I have to reinforce that. I'm not cool. necessarily saying that's right or wrong. I'm not here to Again, are you that? But what I've learned is I want to stop and listen to the opposite side of what I think so that I can gain understanding. And again, I I think we said that a couple of times, but it has been the greatest gift for me. One of the greatest over the last three years. I love that. And um, I think, I mean, I do. I know that Heather and Josh and their family live that out so well. I love when they talked about who has had their feet under your table. Mm. And I learned that from them because they have multiple feet under their table. Um, and having my feet, if you will, under under their table for a couple of days really was impactful impactful yeah. for me. And mm-hmm. another thing that they talked about, um, uh, was how can we make collective shifts in the culture around us? And um, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot of effort. We moved to LA and um, obviously we were battling cancer and there's a lot of things but we've had to work really people listening now are like we know you moved to LA we have we told you that yet by the way guys we've had cancer moved to LA we loved everything no um, (laughs) but in that yeah you told me I just thought it exposed us to a lot is that what you're saying yeah I lost my train of thought. That's the part where I throw up Julie's train of thought by my unnecessary comments. Guys, I was on a roll. Yeah, I'm going to say one thing and then we'll come back. Unless you you got it? Well, I think on the proximity thing, 
Remember when we were at their house and our son, Bo, our oldest son, makes really good homemade cookies. And he had the idea to get with Augie, who, how old was Augie at the time? I mean, I think he was about to turn six. Yeah. So they got in the kitchen and they made cookies together. And I just remember like Augie was having the time of his life. He had never made cookies. And then Bo was having the time of his life because he's getting to teach Augie and watching their kind of like relationship begin to bloom by doing this very simple thing together. It, it made me think, you know, what are the very simple things we could do with somebody who thinks, acts, looks different that can help build some type of bridge and relationship? They were talking about that. I think they mentioned a dance studio. I think they've experienced mm-hmm. that, uh, how they are making space for Mason to yep. uh, engage, yep. you know, like everybody else. So it's what are the things that we can be intentional with but also the reminder that there's never a good time. We're always going to feel full and busy um, or something's going to be happening. So yep. what does that look like? It's not a comparison thing. It's not a like, glad you've done that. I can't do this. Oh, glad you left everything to move to L.A. Well, I'm not ever doing that. I'm mm-hmm. here in this small town of whatever. That's great. It's never a comparison game. It's always like, what does it look like for me in my world? So um, that's what I was starting to say until Chris rudely uh, interrupted me. I'm <laughs> uh, um, how can we help make a collective shift in the culture yep. around us and when we can do that in our space um, without excuses mm. then that's what shifts a culture all around us it's the little things it's the dance studio that they've seen it that then has impacted yep. part of the world um, sometimes we think well that's good for this one person and we just don't do anything and life is hard and we're tired I've been like oh I want to do these things but yeah. I'm exhausted but mm-hmm. it is the small things of life that takes intentionality and it's a choice. And that's what family is, right? Family is the the uniqueness, the expression of who we are celebrating our unique differences, because like she said, God creates and celebrates diversity. So maybe find something really intentional you could do this week, some way to, to kind of get closer to somebody that looks things, acts different, find ways if you're a parent to expose your kids to some things that look a little mm-hmm. different, that might stretch them a little bit and have the confidence to have those conversations with them. Because in the stretching, it actually is what creates the questions from your children uh, mm-hmm. and the people around you or your friends in your community. It's the stretching that brings the questions that then brings change that makes our world a yep. better place. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, again, I think last thing I'd say is when they talked about we have to um, demolish some systems to see them rebuilt, and I would say that goes back to sometimes even our great ideas that we mm. don't do, or yeah. I didn't know if you knew I, I battled cancer. Um, what? <laughs> but I literally feel like my body, I mean, I feel like there were some things literally demolished to be rebuilt that have, you know, yeah. changed me forever. So it kind yeah. of extends not just to one thing but let's be a part of rebuilding systems um that bring inclusivity that um yeah makes us all more unified really at the end of the day boom yeah all right well hey thank you guys so much for listening follow josh and heather at the lucky few on instagram get their books they're amazing amazing people and find some books this week that you may not fully agree with don't Throw the, what's it? Throw, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Is that how it goes? <laughs> Are you saying that right? Find some things that stretch you, that make you think, that bring more understanding. That's there my encouragement podcast, to even. you There's this so week. There's so many singing podcasts Absolutely. out there. Um, you know, we're one of 2.2 million podcasts right now, but it's <laughs> fine. It's fine. But we're here doing the thing. All right. Well, hey, love you guys. Yes. Have a great week. We love you. We'll see you next time on the Finding Family Podcast. Beautiful.
Thank you so much for listening today. And the best way that you can help us get this message of family out to the world is by taking a minute to subscribe. Leave a rating, a review, and please share. You can also visit our site, findingfamilypodcast.com and follow us on Instagram to stay connected. This is a production of Welcome Home Entertainment. This episode was produced by Dave Hanso and edited by Will Cotterall. Music by Drew Holcomb. Shoes and dance. Hey!